This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Hello, friends. Uh, welcome to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning or evening, whenever you're uh, listening to this episode. Thank you for being our faithful listener or even viewer on YouTube. Thank you for all the support and I pray that you will be encouraged, that you continue to be encouraged uh, through the testimonies that we bring to you every Tuesday. And as we do every Tuesday, Uh, we have a new guest, and in today's episode, we have our dear sister, Brooke Bartz. She is part of the Bart Network, and she's also the founder of the Open Hearts in a Closed World, which is an online women's conference, and uh, they actually had it this year, the, uh, over the summer, uh, and I'm pretty sure that you can go to their uh Facebook page and you will be able to find uh, that conference. Uh, so I'm very excited for you guys to just to get to know Brooke and even for me just to be able to get to um, hear her testimony. This will be my first time also hearing her testimony, uh, but it's been really sweet just like chatting with her over social media and uh, being part of the BART Network as well. So big shout out to our dear brother, Dwayne Atkinson, who is the founder of the uh, BART Network. Um, I hope this can be an encouragement to you all. Don't forget that to subscribe and to follow us on social media. And you can do that by following, uh, by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. And thank you, friends, for joining me today. And here is my conversation with Brooke. All right, friends, I am here with Brooke Bartz. Thank you so much, Brooke, for joining me and welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to finally get to be here with you. <laughs> yes, I know we've been trying, right, to to do this interview. And I'm just so yes. thankful that finally we were able to schedule it and that I will be able to get to know you more. I mentioned as I yes. mentioned in the beginning when I in the pre-recorded introduction that I do I did is that we are both part of the bar network. So yes. that's how I've been able to get, you know, to find out about you and see all the wonderful things that the Lord has uh, blessed you with doing in mm -hmm. women's ministry. And I, I'm so excited for people to get to hear about all of this that you're doing also. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but first and foremost, I will uh, jump in just in um, your testimony, you know, uh, your upbringing. I normally uh, love to have my guests Just sharing up about their life growing up, like what was the family like? Um, what was life growing up for you? Were you raised in a believing home? And well, you can share as much as you feel like sharing. Yes. Yeah. So um, I was not raised in a believing home. I had good moral parents. Um, they took care of me. You know, I had clothes on my back, food on the table. Um, we would even pray. You know, we went to church. So we looked very moral. Um, I was a good kid growing up um, until I realized the freedom that I had in sin and immorality. And so I was raised in a Methodist background. And um, that is the closest that I knew of God. And that sufficed. You know, I, I checked the box. You know, I, I knew that Um, everyone believed in Jesus. I was told to believe in Jesus. It was kind of a given. If you go to church, you believe in Jesus. 
you believe in God and that means that you get to go to heaven. That was it. There was never a mention of the gospel, um, even all the way up through high school. I can't tell you one person that actually shared the gospel, the true gospel with me. I was part of FCA. I was part of Young Life. Um, but those were all social events and gatherings. And it was more about um, having a good reputation, a good life, good works, um, and looking the part. You know, you look the part as an athlete. I was a very, um, that was where I found my identity, if you want to say. That was where I found my, um, who I was. I played sports. So I grew up playing all kinds of sports and um, just really excelled. I wanted to have a, um, something that people knew me for. And I was not considered by the world to be popular or pretty or um, what high school looks like with the popular crowd and clicky crowd. And so my life revolved around my sports. And so I was very good at volleyball and basketball. So I had offers for both in college and I decided to stay around at a local college and um, took a full volleyball scholarship there. And um, stayed because I was had started dating had started kind of that's when I said in high school really started seeing what life looked like um, without any restraints without any boundaries I started becoming rebellious to my parents staying out late partying um, living a lifestyle of immorality and my first serious boyfriend was in why I stayed for that college so my life revolved around what the world considered to be a good life, um, you know, living it up, you know, as a, as a teenager, you know, without Christ, your life is your God. You make your decisions and you do what you want to do and it's hopeless and it's, it's dead. And we know that, and it does not suffice. And so um, I was very depressed. And so in college, even playing volleyball, I did, I, um, had an eating disorder. Most of us did because you had needed to stay a certain weight to be able to perform on the court for volleyball. And so that's when I really started to notice that I was sick too. And I've stated in other interviews that, you know, it was a fatalistic view of life. The more that I indulged, um, it was because it didn't matter. There was no hope. You know, if there was a God, he wasn't doing anything to make me better. And so I just continued that cycle of, of immorality, sexual immorality, you know, um, drunkenness. Yeah. So that was my high school leading into college. And really that's when things really went uh, very far downhill for me in college, even though I was playing volleyball and looked a certain part when I stepped on the court to play, I was still able to perform, but my life behind closed doors was a wreck. Mm. And so growing in the Methodist church, like what were some of the things that you're, you were being taught in this church? Like what were some of the things that, uh, you know, that was being, uh, you were being taught? Like what, what is it like that they practice? Like what are you practicing this? Like Yeah, so I, I stopped going to church in high school, um, but all growing up, it was, you know, John Wesley. We had, um, uh, it was more of learning about who he was. There were female pastors, which obviously is unbiblical and that's, you know, false doctrine, but we had, so we had female associate pastors. There was a heavy influence on God being a he, she, or an it. Um, wow. and so, uh, that was, that was kind of 
what it, the sermons, which I don't even want to call them sermons, but the, the messages that the whoever would speak on, it was more of a whatever was going on in their life and how you apply it. I mean, scripture was never used, obviously, because it wasn't a biblical church. You know, um, you can't have a church. You can't have your lamp stand lit and Christ be in the midst of his church, of his local body, if it's a false church. And female pastors are, you know, that's unbiblical. And so it was based on everybody going, you know, all the kids going. We had, you know, um, vacation Bible school growing up. We had, you know, youth group. We had a very active youth group. And um, a lot of the reason that I went was, you know, obviously my parents took me and that was kind of the cool thing to do um, was to go to youth group. Um, in junior high. And then, like I said, in high school, I stopped going to church a lot because I really um, started just focusing on what else I could do around my life with sports. So, you know, traveling tournaments, teams, you know, club volleyball, AAU basketball, that was my life. That was my life on the weekends. So you don't, you don't go to church on Sundays because you have tournaments. So that was my life with the Methodist um, upbringing. And where do you grow up with your family? Like, where is your family? Originally? So we are in um, Temple, Texas. It's about an hour from Austin, Texas. And I went to Mary Harden Baylor, which is in Belton, okay. Texas. Um, now, I grew up with uh, my husband. I've actually been in love with him since I was 10 years old. And so he oh, was wow. at, he was brought up Methodist at the same, um, I don't want to say church, but at the same church um, we both attended. And um, I went a lot of times to see him. So, uh, so in God's kindness and in his mercy and goodness and grace, um, he brought us back together when we both got saved in college. But wow. so we grew up together in the Methodist upbringing. And do you have any siblings or are you like only child? Um, I, ha I have a sister. Yeah, I have one sister that's younger. She's actually Brad's age. And so that was kind of how I kept up with him. So, oh, okay. yeah. So they were friends growing up. So now you have mentioned like basically what your life looked like in high school, then mm -hmm. going into college as well. Uh, when are you first introduced to the gospel? How does that happen then in your life? Yeah. So um, when I transferred from Mary Harn Baylor, I transferred to Texas State, which is in San Marcos, Texas, and I was going to play volleyball there and decided that I wanted to instead keep partying, keep, you know, living my own life, um, the morality. And so um, I had some friends that were, well, Brad ended up getting a football scholarship up there to Texas State. So um, we had some mutual friends, um, one of, and, and these friends, it was, it was encouraged. They were, they were athletes as well. So we kind of ran around with the athletes. You're encouraged to find an on-campus or, or a, a ministry so that you look the part. Athletes are, are encouraged, whether you believe or not, to look a certain way at college, even though, like I said, behind closed doors, we're, you know, living lives of darkness and sin and in chains. And, and so, um, so there was an on-campus ministry, and that was the first time that I actually heard someone preach using the text. Um, and it was still very loose, you know, it wasn't exegesis, but there was scripture in there and there was um, worship. They did worship at the beginning. And so I saw these kids with Bibles and I saw them 
praising and singing. And it was the first time that I realized my life looked completely opposite of theirs, you know? And so it was kind of like a spotlight on who I was, what was going on in my life and seeing these kids and how they cared about each other. They were very loving. Um, they were taking notes during, you know, uh, while the pastor was, while the on-campus uh, pastor was preaching. And so that was the first that I had actually heard um, of some truth. And so I continued to go back. And one night there was a guy who actually presented the gospel gospel and the true gospel and living gospel. And, um, and I heard it. And so I went home and my roommates were about to go out to a party. And I asked them if she had a Bible and she said, yes. And so I stayed home and um, I read in Romans and I read the gospels. I read Matthew about the parables. And then I read Romans and I wept. And I had heard the gospel. I understand what he was talking about, that I was a sinner because of my lifestyle and the choices I was making. And I knew um, he had said, you know, that uh, that Christ was, you know, the, the living God, that that was what um, I wasn't being fulfilled because I didn't have the Lord, you know, because my sin was was ruling my life. And so I went home and I read Romans and I read Romans 5, 8, and um, that that was really instrumental in my life too, you know, where it talks about Christ. Um, he demonstrates his own love for us sinners, you know, because Christ died for us. And I understand that that demonstration was for me because I was a sinner and that Christ hung on the cross for my sin and he bled and died for me. And that it was a free gift of salvation that if, if I turned from him, if I left my lifestyle of immorality and place my faith in Christ and started living for him and hating my sin and reading his word that, um, you know, I, ha I had salvation that God had given me salvation as a free gift that all I had to do was place my faith in Christ. And I realized what a sacrifice that was, you know, that God chose to do that for me to die for me. And, um, and I knew that I was empty. You know, I, I like I said, I saw those kids at that on-campus ministry and I knew that everything I did in life, nothing filled me. You know, there was a, cause my heart was of stone, you know, I didn't have a heart of flesh. And, and so, um, and so I repented and I placed my faith in Christ and I immediately changed my life drastically. Um, at the time, Brad and I were um, friends, but he was not a Christian. And so I told him, I can't run around with you anymore. You know, we can't because, um, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to party anymore. I kind of left, you know, that this, which is funny because Brad was like my idol, you know, I'd grown up being in love with him. And for, you know, when I became a believer, I realized he was my idol and that, you know, God didn't want me to yoke with an unbeliever and I prayed for him. And so, the Lord saved me. I started going to church and I started to read my Bible and I started immediately to understand the transformation of, of how the spirit works, you know, through the word. Um, and so I started seeing fruit in my life and God just continued to strengthen me all through college um, in my faith. And you mentioned just um, some of the changes that you that you saw, but can you just like maybe share a little bit more about how does your life change from that point on? Like, what are some of the desires that you now have? Um, are you getting involved in church? Like what's happening with your life from there on once you, you know, the Lord saves you? 
So when I got saved in college, um, like I said, I immediately started going to a church. Um, Brad got saved pretty recently after me. And so um, the Lord and his kindness, we got engaged in college and started living for him as a couple, you know, when we got married in college. So we attended church, Brad led worship. Um, he led worship for FCA for the athletes. He stopped playing football. That was one thing he did because it was such a, a different life. And he didn't want to be in those situations with trials and temptations. And that way we got married, you know, two became one and we started living for Christ. We started um, going to church and serving. We did everything we could on campus to encourage, you know, other teen, other um, college kids to come to church. You know, we handed out flyers. We, um, we, we shared the gospel, you know, we, we had our Bibles. We were very active on the on-campus ministry to involve kids um, to get involved in church. I left my, uh, the, the, all the girls that I was living with, I was living in a duplex. I, I got out of that duplex, you know, got an apartment by myself. And then my, um, one of my uh, best friends from college who was at Mary Harm Baylor transferred um, when I gave my life to Christ and our friendship picked right back up. So there was a group of us that were very active as Christians. And so that was how I lived my life in college. You know, before I, when I was sick, I wouldn't go to class and I wouldn't, um, I didn't care about anything. You know, my grades changed and my heart obviously had changed for people. So yeah, so we got married and we immediately became very active in church and studying the word. And Brad had a, a mentor and I had a mentor and that was our life in college. When we got married, we became dorm parents at a private boarding military school called the San Marcos Baptist Academy. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were married and I, that's when I started coaching, you know, cause I played volleyball and Brad um, coached as well. So we basically became these kids' parents. And if you know anything about the, a, a boarding military school, it's kind of the last stop before juvenile detention. And so these kids were um, heavily addicted to drugs. You know, some of them were, um, you know, runaways and living on the streets before they're found. Some were in trouble with the law. A lot were in trouble with the law. And so it's a private boarding military to try to help these kids. And so we saw so many things. And so we asked if we could have a bus to drive kids to church and the bus was always packed. So we became these kids, spiritual parents. We shared the gospel. We had Bible study with them. Um, we loved them. We coached them. And um, we had to go to the hospital at times if there was an overdose with one and sit, you know, and, and pray with them. And, and so it was our, it was like having foster kids before, you know, in college. So we loved all these children, these teens. And so God used that mightily in our lives as well. That's when I really felt like the Lord in his kindness gave me such a heart for teen and youth because I had walked that road. Um, that they had walked and I could speak into their lives of sinfulness and darkness and be able to share hope. And so, uh, so we did that. And then um, we moved to Dallas, Fort Worth um, and Brad was still in college. And the last part of college was for Brad to, um, he decided to intern at a church. So this church allowed him to come and intern as a youth pastor and um, 
kind of sit, sorry, at, sit under the youth pastor. It was a very secret sensitive church and we realized that very quickly. And so um, we, we also worked there with the children. You know, we we're heavily involved in the youth ministry and that was our life at Dallas-Fort Worth before Brad and I got a job at a Christian school where we both coached and taught at Covenant Christian Academy. And um, I was a varsity volleyball coach. Brad was a defensive coordinator for football. And um, we, so our lives have always been around teens and kids in that way too. And so that was just another way God could use us for the kingdom. We were very active at that school, sharing the gospel, you know, with our, with our kids on our team and those things. Yeah. So we were at covenant and then we moved to um argyle and that's where we got involved with countryside bible church and i don't know if you know tom pennington he was the associate pastor for john macarthur for a long time before he took the position as senior pastor at countryside and so that's where we spiritually began being fed and nourished you know just by the word in such a exemplary way for the gospel. Like we grew exponentially through under the leadership and the headship of Tom under the church as our shepherd. And, you know, that's the first we heard exegesis. And so Tom will go verse by verse. He can spend 15 years in a book. I'm not joking. Like it's a, it's a known thing at, at countryside. So we were very active. Um, Brad was active in men's leadership I had a um, women's ministry called Fruitful Hands, which was a benevolence ministry that I led for about four and a half years. In the midst of all this, you know, I was very sick. So the benevolence ministry was a way for me to give back to women, to work with the women in the church, to then go out and be able to share the gospel to the broken, you know, and that's why the social gospel, it's so wrong. It rubs me so wrong. And I I'm so appalled by it because I saw the transformation when the gospel was shared with broken people and then coming alongside and helping them and offering them, you know, food. We did food for the homeless. We did, uh, you know, uh, mail things for troops across seas. We did backpacks for inner city school kids. We did blankets for cancer kids, but there was always the gospel being shared. And that was the most important thing. Um, for us. So I did that. So the Lord used us at Countryside and then um, Countryside planted a church. And we were part of the leadership team to go with that church. And we just recently were there for two years. We just recently moved back home to Temple again to be able to um, have a church here. And God's been very faithful with um, with how he's used us. And we're thankful to be able to be used by God. And so we wanted to bring our daughter back. We adopted our daughter at birth. Um, we wanted to bring, she's 11. We wanted to bring her back to be close to family. We've been, been gone for so long in DFW. So, so yeah, so we're back in our hometown and there are, are no solid reformed biblical churches here. And so we have been um, really reaching out to the community And um, we're excited because we will be, um, you know, staying in people's lives that way and and helping in in churches in that way. So, yeah, I mean, and how what a blessing, just like the many different opportunities for ministering, you know, uh, especially the youth, like you were just mentioning, especially from because of the lifestyle that you guys have and how, you know, how amazing it is that the Lord is using 
what you went through in your life, you know, to now preach the gospel to these kids and just from your own experience, hey, this is a transformed life and this is what the Lord has done in my life also. But right. how wonderful. And it just to see like even like the different places that the Lord has, uh, you know, taking you both, you and your husband, um, and br bringing you together as well. I mean, that is just a blessing in itself. Uh, and now how you're both, uh, you know, a married couple now to be able to minister to people and serving the church, uh, the body of Christ. And um, because you have mentioned like, I've been sick and I've been feeling, you know, like you have been mentioning, right. like, it's like, it starts on college, right? Would, would you mind just sharing right. a little bit with us? You know, cause that's the thing. It's like, we come to Christ, but we are not promised a, you know, fulfilled life, like perfect life. And we will face right. trials. Jesus warned each one of us, you know, that we will have trouble in this life and we will, right. we will face many trials. Uh, we don't know what those trials are going to look like. Right. And even before the recording, we were both sharing, you know, about that, uh, um, just about sickness and health issues and things like that. So would you mind just how does it start and what is it that you've been battling with your health? Yeah, so my, um, I started to get really sick in college, um, really tired when I was playing volleyball and I was lifting weights, you know, cause you're, you're working out constantly, but there was a difference in how my body was responding. And I started um, realizing that my joints were really heavy. I could go numb at times. I could tingle at times um, with my, you know, my, my nerves. Um, and I knew something was wrong, but I kind of pushed it, you know, back, you know, because you're, you're, you're an athlete. That's what you do. So when I transferred to college at Texas state, I couldn't get out of bed at times. I was so tired. I started to have um, a lot of um, just severe, severe pain, like nerve pain and um, dizziness. And so when Brad and I got married, that's when basically all the onslaught, it was just all at once things started happening um, with my body. So I started getting tested and eventually they came to find that it was rheumatoid arthritis, but it was also very much um, a lot of other things combined. So from then that point on, they found more and more like um, I have gastroparesis, I have um, nerve disorders, I have. So my body kind of attacks itself whenever it gets sick. And so uh, rheumatoid arthritis, if I have an autoimmune flare, you know, that can lead to um, I've, I've been in the hospital with heart failure that happened about four years ago. I've had, um, you know, organs attacked. I, so my body just kind of shuts down. So whenever I get a cold, my cold can turn into, you know, two months in, in, in bed, it can turn into, you know, being in a walker, a wheelchair. Um, and so, yeah, they just don't know. I have a lot of inflammation from it. You know, I can have a lot of hip inflammation, foot inflammation. And so then I can't walk for a while. Then I'm stuck in a, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair for a while. And so the fatigue is probably the thing that is the hardest, the nerve pain at night. I don't sleep much, obviously, and I'm on medicine for it. Um, but that's just kind of a buffer, you know, that the pain is, is pretty much constant. So I live in chronic pain every day. And I have chronic symptoms every day. And so that's why I wrote the book. You know, I wrote a book called Chronic Love. I knew when the Lord took me out of being so active with children 
and youth and teens and being present in that way, I knew I still wanted to serve God in a way that, um, you know, I could honor him, obviously. And, and it changed my life when I got sick. You know, I was now a, mo- now a wife who is not able to fold clothes, cook dinner, clean the house, you know, be active with my husband as he's, you know, doing his job. And, and, um, and that was really hard. And so how can I glorify the Lord? You know, I loved writing. And so um, I wanted to write a book for women and caregivers who experience chronic pain and chronic illness and trials and suffering. And I wanted it obviously to be in context and I wanted there to be scripture as well as this, the things that happen in the Bible with, with people, you know, Paul, the, the hemorrhaging woman, you know, Paul, you know, being shipwrecked and trials and Joseph and how his trial was used for good so I wanted ladies to see the word used in that way, but I also wanted them to see that it was like writing a letter each chapter to a friend, you know, that was suffering for encouragement and real life examples that I had gone through and other people had gone through and how we can train our minds to come back to Christ, you know, even through this pain without a respite, without trials, you know, knowing Christ on the cross suffered that, you know, this life is fallen And um, there is pain, there's heartache, there's brokenness, there's death and loss. And how can we walk through this as Christians glorifying the Lord um, in our pain? And we do that the same way that Christ did, joyfully, obediently to the Father. You know, we submit. Our will is not ours, it's Christ. And we are called to obey him. And so um, I wanted women to see that even as we walk through trial and pain, that God can be glorified in the midst of it because he tells us to consider it joy in our trials. And he gives us the example. He walked to Calvary and he carried the cross for us. And so I wanted women to understand that our God loved us. He demonstrated his love. He proved his love on the cross by sending his son, Christ, to die for us. And, um, and that we have physical pain, but we never endure a spiritual pain anymore once we're in Christ. We don't have the wrath of God on us. You know, we're not storing wrath up for ourselves anymore in Romans. We have freedom. We have um, in Christ and we have eternal peace. And so I wanted people to see that spiritually, when we walk through a trial, we need to walk through as Christ did, glorifying him because he was our example. You know, there's nothing that I have gone through that Christ was not on the cross suffering for. He suffered physically and he suffered in a way that I never will, which is the wrath of his father spiritually. And every kind of trial or temptation, you know, that I failed, Christ didn't. You know, he's perfect. He's the God man. And so he took my sin and he bore it. And so no matter what I walk through in this life, no matter what physical pain, I have spiritual salvation and eternity with Christ in the end. And this life is a vapor. And, you know, um, we are the outer man, but the inner man is being renewed, you know? And so I knew that I knew that women needed comfort from scripture and encouragement and at times correction and training of what the word tells us about God's sovereignty and his character and the word. And so I wrote a chapter, each chapter calling it chronic, like, the chronic word, you know, um, our chronic journey, 
you know, chronic sovereignty. And so how God is sovereign over trials, you know, he's perfect. He's holy. His ways are good. And he's in complete control of everything that I walk through. And physically, I may not ever be healed. And I wanted them to know that. But spiritually, I have far more that surpasses this earthly life. I have riches in Christ Jesus. And so I wanted women to be able to see scripture. And so I wrote this book. And in God's kindness, the book, um, I wanted to have a lot of scripture. And so I thought, do I have enough scripture? And I ended up having to do um, two versions, the ESV and the NASB, because because of copyright, because there's there's that much scripture. So women are constantly brought back to the word and constantly brought back to the hope of Christ and what he's done for us through the gospel and how we live, how we can live joyfully through that. Yeah, amen. And I think what is encouraging too is just that though you've been going through, you know, through this difficult trial, to see how the Lord has provided different ways to continue to serve him. And if you wouldn't mind just say, just sharing, how has that affected in the way that you are able to um, personally, you know, like to be able to serve the Lord, maybe in the local church, like in person, but what are some of the ways that he has given you the opportunity to still serve him, minister to other women, I know that you have founded your own uh, online conference also. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more about that. Yeah. So before I I say that, I do want to say, you know, I have been able to reach people through God's grace, you know, and for his glory alone, um, I want to serve him and I want to have a heart that reaches out to people. And I realize that there are women and children that are going through far worse than I could ever imagine their trials. Um, And so I keep it in perspective. So what I want to do is I want to show them that they have someone they can read that will talk to them, that will pray with them. And so the Lord has used the book and my trial mightily because women have been able to reach out through social media and I've been able to meet through Zoom or pray with or text with. I have relationships with women across the world because in God's kindness, you know, through social media as believers, you can reach people, you know, it's not all bad. And so the Lord has used the book for me to be able to reach people, not only in my sphere you have influence at church, you know, or when I go out, um, but through, through the gospel, the gospel has been able, I've been able to reach them with the gospel through, um, through social media, through the conference, through the book, um, the conference I founded two years ago. So we'll be going on our third conference next year in July. Um, because it was right when the pandemic had hit. And I knew the importance of a solid church and a biblical church. And I also know that this world is starving, that there are few and far between churches that actually proclaim Christ, um, that have not bought into the social gospel, critical race theory, LGBTQ, female pastors. You know, it's a very progressive movement. You know, our churches are no longer... um, they're no longer true. You know, people have fallen away. They've taken the wide road. And, and so you see so many churches that are not speaking truth. And so I knew women were not hearing the truth in the first place. So I wanted to introduce them to solid female women teachers and authors like Martha Peace, um, podcasters, bloggers. Um, and so I, I wanted them to hear Susan Heck, you know, who's written amazing books as well. These women who teach the truth in accuracy, you know, and hold up the word of God 
instead of the world and what it's been giving us and forcing down our throat with these female authors who claim to be Christians, but believe absolutely heretical things and then teach those things. And, and there's this movement, obviously, that women are, it's my dreams, it's my way, you know, men are in the back seat. you know, we are head, we're not, we don't need to be submissive, we don't need to be gentle, we need to go out and claim our dreams and our life, regardless of our husband and our children. And I just saw that trickling down more and more to even people I knew of how they were living their lives, these women. And so I wanted to put before their faces true godly women who spoke scripture that was accurate and truth. And so I was able to get together some women. I knew I could do it online because we were in the pandemic. A lot of churches had closed down. So now people aren't able to even go to church and now they're going to reach. Now they're going to look for desperation for books that meet their needs socially, you know, and those things by starting the conference, we were able to bring women before them that spoke truth and could bring hope and the gospel and what it means to be an excellent wife and a mother and the training and the raising and the admonition of the Lord, how we train our children and being gentle and quiet um, women who love the Lord, you know, the Titus two model. And so we, so we started, so I started the conference and had these ladies teach. And so in God's kindness, he, he used it to reach women. And this year that you guys did the conference, you had our, some of our dear friends from the BART Network. You had uh, Dr. Shelby and Kimberly yes. coming from uh, the Women's Hope Podcast, our dear and sweet friend, Marcy Farrell from the yes. Homemaker. And uh, so how, how did that conference go for you guys? Because you were also, you guys, um, AGTV live stream, right? The, uh, the conference for you guys this year. Yeah. So from the first year to the second year, I, I made some changes. Um, we, uh, we went ahead and just did more teachers. Um, and so we, you know, the topic we had was reverence in radical times um, because we, we see a lot of irreverence in women. You know, there's no fear of God before, before our eyes anymore. You know, it's all about living your life and there's no fear of God. And so the more that I can be a feminist, you know, that's women, the more that I can, uh, I can make a change in this world. And, and that's wrong. You know, we're called to be um, feminine, we're called to, you know, submit and be gentle and loving. And so this year, I was able to bring um, uh, nine ladies together um, to to teach and, and I'll and I'll list them. Um, just give me. Um, so I had Aaron Coates, um, whose um, husband, James Coates, you know, went to uh, prison for keeping the church doors open during the time when churches were not allowed to go to church because of, um, you know, COVID. So James, so I had Aaron teach and Aaron taught in the first conference as well. And then I had Penny Amack, who's my mentor for over 12 years. Her husband is an elder at Countryside. I had her teach and then myself. And then I had um, Susan Heck. And Susan was from the first year as well. And so she has an amazing ministry, you know, in books and, and, um, and I'm so thankful for her ministry too. And then I had Michelle Leslie, um, who has a, a podcast as well, and is very bold with um, women on discernment, you know, who to look out for with these false teachers. And so I appreciated her ministry. I knew that she would bring a lot of depth for women as well. Um, and then I had this year, I had Marcy Farrell 
like you said, from the Thankful Homemaker that's on the Bar Network, that's on our podcast network. And then I had Shelby Colin, Dr. Shelby Colin and Kimberly Cummings, and they are on our, the Bar Podcast, I mean, Network with Women's Hope. And they taught and they also did a Q&A. And then I had um, Martha Peace. And um, that was wonderful because she wrote, you know, The Excellent Wife, which is my, my go-to book and everything. And um, so it was a wonderful group of godly women who taught the word. Yeah. And that's what, and that will be continuing hopefully right <laughs> next year. Yes. We'll so, so yeah. So AGTV streamed it this year. Um, it, it was amazing. The Lord, what the Lord did, we had over 62 countries still in counting of, of women who watched the conference. And so we were thankful there were watch parties. There were watch parties with youth groups. There were watch parties at nursing homes, which I think is just phenomenal for the sweet little older ladies there. Um, so uh, so women used it as their conference event. So they stream, streamed it from that. And so um, it was really, it's just the Lord and his kindness and goodness. And I think at this time, you know, obviously we need truth all the time, but the way that this world is with women and the agenda to be feminine, the feminist agenda, you know, um, to be such uh, domineering, you know, there's no, there's no kind of there's no kind of submissive hearts towards husbands and children. And we're seeing that more and more and how women uh, live their lives and in through divorce, obviously, you know, they're just, they're leaving and we are not seeing the word of God taught accurately to women because we've got all these false teachers. So to bring together very solid reformed biblical teachers for these women and teach on reverence and what that looks like in your home life and as a husband and wife and training your children was just uh, such a blessing to be able to do that. Yeah. And so many, I mean, just so what a amazing blessings, like, again, like what we were saying, right? Like just to see the Lord bringing you through so many different doors to be able to serve him. And yet, you know, though we face those trials, how difficult can it be for many of us to see what the Lord is doing in our life, to praise him, to give him thanks, thanks. And I know this episode will be released soon, closer to November. So it will be closer to Thanksgiving, which we oh, have yeah. taken right to a, a day to give thanks. But right. we as believers, we are to give thanks daily, praise the Lord, right? Uh, daily. What encouragement will you give to um, our ladies out there who might be facing, I don't, we don't know the trials that anyone is facing. A lot of people maybe are more open out there and they will share the struggles, but there are other that maybe it's not so easy to talk about, you know, right. the trials that we're facing and we can find ourselves in a position of discontentment because mm. we also, as you say, like social media has become a blessing, but it also can be. Oh, yeah, for many, because we tend to see like this perfect life that everyone else is having. And yet, look at my life. Um, Is the Lord really listening to my prayers? Can the Lord hear me? Um, Why am I going through this? Like sometimes we find ourselves questioning the Lord. Why? Why me? Right. So what encouragement will you give the ladies? And also, how is it that we even in the middle of the storm, can we still give thanks and praise the Lord for you know, everything that he has done in our lives. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things I would say. Um, first off, we know that we're not alone. 
you know, we know that Christ also suffered um, extreme pain and anguish and he did not leave us here alone. He has walked through it and he is with us. He gives us his word to transform our minds so that we can look to him for guidance and comfort, which is in the scriptures. You know, he tells us that the godly will be persecuted. He tells us to endure to the end, you know, to run the race, to win the prize. He is um, our ultimate example of suffering. And when we understand that our physical life is nothing compared to spiritual eternity, that this is just a short moment of time, you know, that we walk through this and it, and there are days when it doesn't feel like that. And I know that, and my comfort always comes from being able to pray to the Lord, to go boldly to the throne and to pray that he would give me the strength and endurance and comfort to walk through the trial spiritually, um, to give him glory and praise through it. And that the situation as it's unfolding and as you're waking up daily, understanding chronic pain, understanding that the word will help you to take those thoughts captive that are not truth, that are not glorifying, you know, that, that there's no, there's no hope. There is hope. You know, the hope is that we have Christ, you know, the faith that we have, that we will endure to the end, that no matter what we endure physically, we know spiritually, we have eternal life waiting for us. I think there's great comfort knowing we're not alone. There are women who suffer all over the world that have faced loss. And the Bible tells us where to comfort those with what we've, we've gone through. So as we are struggling, the best thing to do is to serve others by praying, by, um, by giving. And, and I found that, that the more my pain was, it meant the more that someone else up there was struggling even more. Um, and that I could be a light to them of what hope was by, by looking like Christ, by modeling Christ with faith, with endurance, with his strength. And that's a comfort to people knowing that when they see you, you model Christ in the good as well as, as the bad times and the hard times. And he gives us the strength to do that, but it's through his word, read his word. We have to keep our minds centered on Christ. Those ladies that are out there suffering, we do not find the answer in the world. We do not find the answer in a certain diet or essential oils or a good quote. Ultimately, our faith comes back to, to Christ alone. And that's where we stand. And that's where we have to stand. And so if we want comfort and endurance and strength, it's not going to be found from anything worldly. It's going to be found from the word. And so praying the word, reading the word, meditating on it, listening to songs that's, that fill your mind of, of scripture. Um, I think another way is to find a group of people, whether it's one person or a group of ladies that understand what you're going through, that are like your, your, your right hand people, you know, that are there for you, um, that can pick you up when you're down, that can, um, you know, hold you accountable to your thoughts. You know, we, we, we aren't called to walk this, this, this road alone. You know, we have other believers, partakers in suffering with us. You know, we know that in, in the church, you know, when, when the local body was struggling in the Bible, you know, they were there giving things to each other, you know, selling their goods, you know, and so we understand that there is a sense of community that has to come. So the other thing I would say is we need to find a solid church. If you're out there and you're listening, 
you need a community of like-minded believers that are there to, to help you walk through the struggling and the suffering. You cannot do it alone. And, and I've talked to many people through social media that live in remote areas that are, that don't have that, you know, and I want to encourage you to, you can always reach out to me. You know, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook and you can list those in the description, probably. Um, and then, um, but, but I'm there, I'm there to pray for you. Um, you want to find good resources. And if you have friends, you need a good friend that is a believer that can be there to pray for you and encourage you. I think those are some important things that that we need to know when we suffer, that we're not alone and to find a community um, of believers or even just one person that you can talk to. I think your spouse, obviously, if you're married, you're going to walk through that trial with that person, your caregiver, and it affects them as well. So being able to come together and pray together and talk through the trials and the sufferings and the temptations that go along with that. And then to find scripture that back up putting off the old and putting on the new, um, you know, in righteousness, being able to walk with your partner through the trials only happens if you're reading the word, if you're praying it, if you're talking about your suffering and then seeing it through the biblical lens of Christ, knowing that he will provide for you spiritually. Um, we need, you know, my husband and my daughter are part of this, you know, and I want to glorify the Lord through this trial. And so there are spiritual things that I need to do. And I know I need to do to be able to make it through this trial when I'm in my deepest pain. And so being able to pray, knowing I can go to God, knowing I can share my requests, knowing he hears me and that he'll answer according to his will gives me a great comfort. And I can tell you that in the midst of the pain, there is, God is always with me. I know that. And at times praying for a respite, just a break, just a minute, five minutes, you know, an hour, a day to be able to come back to the truth of God's word to where you can study yourself again, because the trial continues for people who have chronic disease. You know, um, the mom who's sitting in the hospital with their child with cancer, like, we need to know the word, you know, and so it's important too, as believers that even in your suffering as horrific as it is, you have heaven waiting, you have salvation, but unbelievers do not. And so my mentor Penny always encouraged me in the midst of your most deep suffering to be a light by, by serving others with the suffering you've gone through to tell them about the hope that's in Christ as you suffer. And God uses that and he will continue to give you fruit through the suffering and the pain. But just knowing that he is God, he's on the throne, he's in control, he's over your pain, he will use it and praying that he will give you strength to walk through it. Using his word and what it says about those kind of things when you walk through, when you walk through fear, anger, depression, you know, when you see sickness and disease and sorrow, all of those things are in God's word and we can read it and be comforted through that. Yeah, thank you so much for that encouragement, Brooke. And I, I will be uh, including your social media um, on the description or the show notes. Um, but if you wouldn't mind just uh, sharing with everyone where they can uh, find you just for the listeners. 
Yeah, so I have an Instagram that's at Just Broke Barts, J-U-S-T-B-R-O-O-K-E-B-A-R-T-Z. We also have an Instagram for open hearts in a closed world. So I would encourage all the women out there to start following that. We're going to start having continual content for the open hearts ministry. Um, and so I'm excited the ladies will have those resources at their fingertips through social media. Um, we also have a Facebook group that has over 5,300 women. And it's just a way, sometimes we post little things there um, that where you can you know, see how each other are doing. Those are both called the Instagram and the Facebook or open hearts in a closed world. So um, that's, that's something that you can be a part of. You can reach out to me through there, or you can reach out to me through my Instagram. I also have a Facebook just for farts. You can message me from there. We have a YouTube page too, where that we, the conference was streamed there as well as AGTV. So Ladies, go ahead and sign up for that. Subscribe to that YouTube page because there'll be things coming as well, resources for comfort and for, um, for hope. And um, I have a new book coming out. I just talked to my um, publisher and I'm allowed to share this, but we think spring to maybe a little bit later, uh, the book will be released. Um, and so it is a Christian teen fiction book called Godly Ever After. And it is written for girls starting in junior high, a little bit before that, um, but so it's a preteen. It has scripture throughout the entire thing um, as well. And it's a little girl, her name is Fiona Bicklesworth, and she's walking through junior high being a believer and enduring things as she goes through life. And so as she contemplates what decision to make, scripture is always there. She pulls a scripture from her mind. So it helps these young girls to read it, to see how we can live lives that glorify Christ, even as young girls, even in the struggles that they walk through with, you know, bullies and believing, you know, that um, they have to be a certain way. They have to look a certain way for the world. You know, Christ looks at the heart. And so I constantly go back to scripture and not what the world says. So she walks through junior high and it's her life. And then I have a second, uh, there's three in the series. So the next book will be, um, she's in high school and then in college. And it's called Godly Ever After because it's how she finds her godly ever after. What does that look like in friendships, in her future husband, in um, what God wants to do with her? So, so I'm excited about that. So the book, the first book is called Godly Ever After Fiona's Faith, and it will be out um, in, in sometime in 2022. So, okay. And where will they be able to find that, that book? Where were they so it'll be, it? yeah, um, so it should be, it should be nationwide at bookstores, um, online, uh, you know, Barnes and Nobles, Target, but the best way um, is Amazon. It's, it's just the quickest, you know, it's like we're able to get there. So, um, and then, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And then the ladies, I brought my copy of my book, Chronic Love. Um, and so the ladies can, you know, it's it's a, attach a I will put the yeah to that one yeah yeah it's it's um you know it's called trusting God while suffering with the chronic illness so hopefully that will bring some encouragement to women and they can reach out to me so those are my Facebook and Instagram and what's going on with open hearts and then my new book coming so yeah and again guys you got uh you're going to be able to find the links there to everything that you have shared <laughs> on the description so that it will be easier to find so it will take you directly to her accounts and 
even the book as well. It's on Amazon, right? So I'll be able to get a link. Yeah, it's it's on Amazon. It's in in hardback now and paperback and then Kindle and um and then audio. Okay, perfect. Awesome. All right. So let's move on to my signature question. So Okay. <laughs> three things that brings you joy. Oh wow. Okay. Um, well, first three. of all, my 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 husband, my daughter, and the word. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, wow. obviously, yeah. Very quickly. I mean, the word first, <laughs> obviously, you know, yeah. but my husband and my daughter, they bring me joy. Um, we're pretty inseparable. I think being sick too and being indoors a lot, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're we get to experience not only really happy times, but we walk through really hard times together. And that brings a compassion and a suffering in Christ together. So, so we're pretty inseparable. Perfect. And then since we were talking about books, uh, uh, what are some of your favorite books other than the Bible, like books that have been helpful in your own walk with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the excellent wife, um, the gospel according to Jesus by John MacArthur was instrumental as well. Um, I love Jerry Bridges book. Um, I read a book called um, Trusting God Even When Life uh, When Life Hurts, and that book was, I would encourage women to get that book and caregivers that are going through that to just understand, you know, chronic pain and suffering. So I really enjoy Jerry Bridges. I love, like I said, Martha Peace, The Excellent Wife, um, Susan Heck. I do her Bible studies. So, um, and I'm reading right now The Joy Freeing the Lord by Jerry Bridges, and it's it's been very helpful and, and practical as well. So um, so those are my um, so those are my my favorite uh, books and, and authors. Perfect. And now, obviously, you know, every time that we have someone here, we're sharing a testimony and it's always pointing to one person. And that person is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us sinners. Right. So wh- why do we need Jesus? Like, you know, why do everyone not only believer but the unbeliever like why do we need jesus yeah well um you know this world is sinful we know there's sin we know there's pain and um you know the bible tells us that people everyone knows that there's a god that we suppress the truth and unrighteousness you know it tells us that in romans and we can look out and we can see creation and we know that there's a god and that God is holy and he um, expects us to live holy lives and we can't. And um, because we sin every day, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we think bad thoughts, you know, we gossip, you know, people commit sin every single day and we need Jesus because he takes that sin from us that we have past, present and future. And he, um, he gives us eternal life and he gives us the tools to live a life that is glorifying to him through the word when we become believers. So we need Christ because he gives us eternal, eternal life. He gives us the spirit who he left as the comforter and the counselor to be able, as we read the word, to change our minds, to transform us, to make us hate sin and to live lives in obedience. And so Christ died and we all need um, salvation. Because if we don't have eternity with Christ, we live this life without hope, desperation, in darkness, chains, bound to our sin. We cannot stop committing it. We live for it. And um, we are drawn further and further to the world and to the wide road. But Christ came for sinners. He died for the ungodly. He died for those of us who 
understand that once we repent of our sin, that we are no longer filthy, you know, dirty sinners. We are new and in Christ's eyes, and he sets his love on us from before time. He gives us a love in Christ Jesus. And so when we come to faith, we understand that we're to live for him. We have a purpose. We have a change. We're a new creation. And so we live sharing the gospel. We need Christ so we can share the gospel. You know, he gave us a new life so that we would be obedient to making disciples and fulfilling the great commission. We need Christ so we will have fruit in our lives and be able to affect other people's lives for Christ. We need Christ because he tells us in our hearts we're to glorify him in everything we do. And we're to look different in this world. And the way this world is, it is so dark and more and more things continually show us that it's falling more and more into a reprobate culture. You know, Romans tells us that. And man has no fear of God, but the Christian, we stand on, on Christ, on his word, and we live for Jesus and for the truth and the world doesn't see that. And so we need Christ so that we can live every day more and more for the truth. Amen. Thank you so much, Brooke. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. And if you just wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer. Yes. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we can come together, Lord, across the world through social media, Father, through this means that you've given us to use for your glory, Lord. Um, Everything that we do as believers, God, we, we look to you. It points to you, our lives to reflect the holiness and the righteousness of a good and loving God. You, Father, and you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, to live this earth, to condescend, to come to earth, to live a life that we could not live, a life of perfect obedience, and to die the death that we deserve because of our sin. But Lord, if we see that we are sinners, and we know that, Lord, we know every day we see this world falling more and more into darkness and sin and pain, what's going on, Lord, with um the way the world is is treating each other, more and more murders, more and more, um, Father, just turning to sin, people running to rebellion, living for themselves, Father, is, is a sign, Lord, that the world needs the gospel. They need hope. And so if we understand that we're sinners and that we committed those things ourselves, Lord, before you changed us and you gave us a new heart, and we want to be that light for others. So, Father, whoever is listening out there, Father, Lord, through my testimony, I pray, Lord, that you would use it to show women that there is hope in Christ, that we can die to our sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. If we turn from it, if we hate it, if we repent of it and place our faith in Christ alone, you say that we have salvation. We have life, eternal life waiting for us. And so I pray, Father, that those out there who don't know you, that know that hopelessness and that chains bound to sin and darkness and drunkenness and immorality, Lord, that they would repent, that they would understand that there is one way, Father, and that is through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect God man who came to this earth, who lived that life, Lord, and who died so that we could be set free from our sin, past, present, and future. I pray you would be with those women who are sick out there. I pray that you would help us, Lord, who know you to be lights, Lord, to share your gospel truth. And I thank you for this time that we get to bring glory to your name, that we get to, Lord, be able to 
tell people the good news of Jesus Christ on the cross, that we get to live that out in our lives as lights and as aliens on this planet. Father, use us for your glory. Strengthen us as we live in this world to proclaim Christ, to proclaim the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.